0: everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Comics Collective, the weekly podcast where we read and discuss a collection of comic books or a graphic novel. I'm your host Alice.
1: I'm Alexis and I'm your other host, Anne.
0: Oh my gosh, that was so smooth. Smooth like butter. Nut butter, acorn butter. We're talking about squirrel girl. That's right, you sons of guns. All you folks out there that didn't believe we'd do it. That didn't believe that we would eat fries and compromise. That didn't believe that we would eat nuts and kick butts. We're always eating and then activating. We have returned to discuss Ryan North. Erica Henderson, and then Rico Renzi's there as well. The unbeatable Squirrel Girl 2015 B. The run that had not only one number one, but two number ones, and then also two number fifties. It's the perfect run of comic books. This skyrocketed up to be one of my favorite comic books of all time, and I am ecstatic to talk about it. I've got some wiggles. I don't know if you two have some wiggles as well. Do we want to have like a get our wiggles out two to three minutes and then jump into I think the episode?
2: Needs just those two to three yeah, right they, there. just, just <laughs> wiggle.
0: Get Let one of those out. wiggles out. Don't keep the wiggles hostage. Nope. So, my wife got so stupid on, high this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and she jump was right inqu- into it. And she was incredibly funny. She got so high that she dissociated to when I asked her a question, she said, oh, Big Boss wouldn't allow that. And I said, uh, who's Big Boss? And she pointed to herself. She said, her. And I said, well, then who are you? And she said, I'm just the representative. (laughs) And I was like, the representative. And then she went, I'm just made of a bunch of green toothpicks and a green grape for a head. And I said, huh? And she said, a sideways green grape. And I said, oh, like, hey, Arnold. And she said, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And that is a 30-second window into how she was operating for the full Saturday evening of our weekend trip to Vermont. It was a great weekend for Dallas's. How have you two been?
1: Pretty good. I kind of want to send a text saying, hey, you want to (laughs) talk? Is everything good? Just text her what, and be me. How's sleep?
2: A cotton candy grape from Costco.
0: <laughs> How's the representative?
2: <laughs> How's the front man? How are you doing?
0: <laughs> I was cracking up.
2: That's hilarious.
1: Oh, everything's everything's good over here. Um, yeah, perfect. No complaints. I can't talk to squirrels. I have one complaint, actually. Yeah, one complaint, <laughs> and that's where I'm at. I'll have a little basta in my life. So.
0: When she, every time she would get into a naming all the squirrels montage, yeah, mm-hmm. every name was a banger. Every time. Lil Busta was the greatest name of them all. I'm yeah. sad I can't yeah.
2: remember Little Mangy Squirrel's name. I gotta go look now. That is my spirit like, squirrel right there.
0: It has, has to be something like Carl. It has to just...
2: I don't remember. I feel like it was strangely normal for her.
0: I like there was one that was like Susan, and then Susan's husband were like 13 <laughs> names. And I was like, that's me. There I am.
2: There's Susan's husband. Oh my
0: gosh. There's Addison's husband. So we've returned to Squirrel Girl. Mm-hmm. Last time we had a pretty silly, fun time. It's a very silly, fun book. This time we read a big enough chunk that I think we can get the breadth of what Ryan North, Erica Henderson, and then Rico Renzi accomplished with this book. So I want to ask Alexis first and then Anne, yes. what did you think of the unbeatable squirrel girl?
3: Uh
2: I also thought that this time I would like to put a little bit more thought into my reading into what I'm taking out of this because last time was very much silly Billy hours. And I feel like we did not quite do. Didn't do Dorian green enough justice in all her glory I feel like this is such a heartwarming, wholesome story of an amazing superhero who is just, she's just so down to earth, which I feel is comical because she's a squirrel, but I just, you just can't leave this read and this series without feeling better about the world. Like there are, she's the type of hero type of person that you want on the good guy's side like she's gonna go and sit on the moon and talk galactus out of eating a planet because she's like there's better things out there and to the point where she's just spreading all of this kindness all this positivity nonstop. that's her go-to every time and it's non-negotiable for her to the point where it comes back around and in the end boosts her to the best ending possible which I feel like was just an amazing way to wrap up the story. I don't want to get like super spoilery because I'm sure that we'll get there, but it just was so fun. And it's just the perfect match of like, oh my gosh, there's every single superhero, super villain, side character that I can think of in this book. How were they allowed to do that? And then on the other side of like her, Naming off seventeen thousand little squirrels and knowing them all by name and having a sidekick slash assist slash equal equal parts equal parts with tippy toe, the greatest masked hero of them all. But it with just
0: her, uh, with her pink bow, her
2: little pink bow. I wish she got her so tiger cute. bow, her tiger bow in Jurassic World. I said, "Good <laughs> for you."
0: I need, just briefly before Anne talks, because it's thematically with Anne, I need to read off the top of the third double-page spread in Dinosaur Land, where it says, "Dino" <laughs> In all caps, Dinosaurs were alive and well in a functioning park. It was amazing. It was so incredibly amazing. If three double-page spreads in a row full of dinosaurs don't convince you of that, I don't know what else we can do. <laughs> and that is exactly this comic book, and how Anne and I, every time we hang out, are
2: Yeah, I was like, oh, look, they made Anne and Dallas into a couple of issues of Squirrel Girl. Who would have thought? It was beautiful.
1: It was so majestic. It was everything that I ever wanted. It's... I I don't know where to start with this book because it's such... We read 50 issues, which, which, you know, just in and of itself sounds like a lot. But you read this comic and every issue is just so much goodness so much story so much action so much humor it takes you forever to get through this it's a dense dense comic it is so so worth the price of admission because you definitely get your bang for your buck and it's it's one of those things where it's like i can't believe no one talks about this comic more we we talk all the time about the the best comics of all time and whenever they whenever we get into these conversations whenever I see people get into these conversations i always feel like it's a competition for you to name the smartest, most artistic, most adult and elegant book you can possibly think of. You're like, oh, well, you just, you need to read Watchmen. You don't understand the complexities and the themes of Watchmen. Or you need to read Batman um, year one. You need to, you need to really understand what this book is trying to tell you about society. And people just get really, really pretentious about it. And sometimes I'm guilty of that here on this podcast. And I think people get so obsessed with trying to find the next great Watchmen in comics. that Sometimes they forget the the Calvin and Hobbes of it all. They forget that comics have this magic to them that is just indescribable sometimes. And you don't need a story to be doom and gloom for it to be meaningful, for it to be impactful, and for it to be enjoyable. I mean, this is a universe with gods and aliens and magic people and little dang freaks running around in colorful underwear all the time and you you mean to tell me that this is the thing that breaks your suspension of disbelief this is the comic that you're like no that's too silly for me i say you need to pull your head out of your ass and check this comic out because holy shit it is it's it's also amazing to me that this is like one of the wackiest runs I've ever read in my entire life written by one of the most analytical scientific minds I've ever seen writing any comic book. I think that's incredible. Um, and just it's, it's a perfect case of a great writer is made astounding and excellent by a perfect artist twice over.
0: Oh, absolutely. I have gone completely. I've been on the Erica Anderson train. I have loved her since my first knowledgeable exposure to her in next week's book, Assassination. I followed her into Dracula Motherfucker, which is a great book. I anywhere she goes, I will be there. I have read all of her creative output. She's gonna be on this show in the next couple of months. We have been in contact with her. And I am consistently astonished by her creative output. But I have to shout out new to me writer, Ryan North. Not new to me with Squirrel Girl, but about two years ago, I read Ryan North's adaptation of Slaughterhouse-Five. And I said, that is the best adaptation to a graphic novel I have ever seen in my entire life. And whoever did that is incredibly smart. And then the next thing I read from him was his next book that came out, which was a prose book called How to Take Over the World, A Super Villain's Guide to World Domination, and I read the crap out of that and adored it and fell in love with the incredibly intelligent and idiosyncratic, hilarious nature of Ryan North's writing style. Like, this is the smartest person I have ever heard open his mouth, and everything he says is couched in a joke that is devastatingly funny that transferred into um secret invasion which if you haven't read his secret invasion miniseries it's phenomenal his um danger and other unknown risks that we've covered on the show i then read how to invent everything the unbeatable squirrel girl i i haven't quite read everything he's written he has some choose your own adventure adaptations of hamlet and romeo and juliet that i really want to read um and then he has some star trek comics that I'm going to read. And his Fantastic Four is
1: so fucking great. You need to read it right now. Y- y- listen, it's it's I'm 8 issues into it. He's already my favorite. He's already my favorite Fantastic Four creator. 8 issues oh, in.
0: Hands down, Ryan North. And we'll get into this more. And I want to hear Ann talk about this, but uh-huh. Ryan North is someone who has so much love for humanity and the world that he imbues every single character he touches with the importance of a main character. I think Nancy Whitehead is one of the best comic characters that Marvel has ever made. And I think... I'm not the first one to observe this. Douglas Wolk was the first person that I heard talk about this in his phenomenal book, All of the Marvels, where he has a whole chapter on Miss Marvel and the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl as the best Marvel comic books of the modern era. I think Kamala Khan and Doreen Green are the only characters since Peter Parker to have the Peter Parker magic, where they are indelibly stuck in your brain forever, but their world, their rogues, and their supporting cast are fleshed out enough that you will never forget them. I cannot believe how good this comic book is, and I cannot believe. That every character cameo feels like, oh, I want Ryan North to write that character forever. Like, I think Carol Danvers had more to do in The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl than she has in Jonathan Hickman's Avengers run. Yes. When there was When there was a little note about how cool her white hole powers were, I was like, I kind of want Ryan North to write Captain Marvel. He gets it. He
1: understands. He sees everything. Listen, I've said this so many times before. The moment someone actually thinks about Captain Marvel <clears throat> for more than two seconds and gets past the oh she was in the Air Force thing and it's like, wait, no, we just go a little just a little deeper. Just dig dig a little deeper. Find at least one level lower, and you're gonna find some really, really interesting shit. You can do incredible things. She got her powers from a fucking exploding wishing machine. And you're telling me that so far every writer has come up with just ways for different ways for her to go pew pew. You're fucking insane. All of you. I, I'm calling all of you out. You can do so much more. There, there's an immortal Hulk level run with Carol Danvers out there that needs to be found. And if you don't do it, I will. There's it. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I, I'm Focus off Squirrel Girl. Back on Squirrel Girl. Um, Keep talking. You were doing great.
0: And I want to circle back to Alexis. comment. And then I want Alexis to keep going. About how this comic is one that makes you want to be a better person. That has been my experience with every Ryan North book I've read. There is not a single Ryan North book I have read up to this point, and I've read quite a few now, that hasn't made me a more empathetic and kind person for having read it. It makes me, like Paddington the Bear, want to be the kind of person that I have just experienced through this work. And ultimately all the characters are that way because that is the way Ryan North is. And you can see in his nonfiction work as well. There's a line from Tony Stark at squirrel girls wake where he says squirrel girl taught us that with or without par- powers, the best thing any of us can do for each other is simply to be kind. And that is absolutely the ethos at the center of this comic book. So I want Alexis to talk a little bit more about Doreen Green as a character and the uplifting nature of the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl.
2: I've, I feel like for me, with reading this, she just struck me as such. Like, And it's it's reinforced time and time again. Like, She is just such a character who she goes into every situation throughout this entire run thinking... Basically, how can I deescalate this? Like, I don't have to go in guns a And the one time that she does with the Silver Surfer, it becomes this huge moral lesson with all the other characters too, which I really loved that um, arc specifically with the Silver Surfer in space, mostly just because I love him anyway, because of another run that we did. But, hmm. Anyway, um, I just... Like it just to kind of focus a little bit more on that like that is the really the only experience where she just goes in frustrated and she's so angry and she just lashes out on the silver surfer because she thought he was taking advantage of um these cute little alien squirrels because I mean I would too if he was bullying little alien, alien squirrels I would go and guns ablazing too, but she goes in ultimately gets her her little bushy tail whooped but Makes it into this big learning experience for my other favorite character to run, Nancy, because we follow Nancy throughout this arc as well, and she is actually given a little piece of the power of cosmic. Her and Tippy Toe, shout out to uh, Silver Surfer Tippy Toe, feel like that needs its own spin-off series. But uh, Nancy, with that power cosmic, she goes back and she lashes out at these con men. And she's like, there's no way that these guys are going to learn if we don't punish them right now. She's like, they know how to work this system. They've been doing it for years. And honestly, she kind of like laid out a lot of thoughts that I feel like as the reader, you've kind of had this whole time of like, oh, like, squirrel girl just kind of lets them go and gives them a little like rap on the knuckles you know like oh do better and because of the light-hearted feel of the comic like they usually do they do do go they do go and do better but these three con men that were pretending to be the silver surfer and then also galactus in the future um knew that that was going to happen and they were like they knew they thought that they could cheat the system and it really got to Nancy and she kind of got to have this really awesome heart to heart with Doreen where you got to see her internal thinking of why she does what she does and why she believes that the first step should always be to go in and de-escalate and be kind and be understanding to everyone's experiences. And also another one of my favorite arcs, specifically anything with Craven. I don't know. He was just a gem this entire time. Loved, loved that character. When those two got together, they're my favorite. But when she kind of gets to have the similar experience with Craven and teaching him, like, you don't have to be like the bad guy. You're not the bad guy. You're so much bigger than that. You're so much greater than that. And I feel like that is a concept and a thought that society kind of chooses to forget these days. Like every single person is capable of goodness. It's just whether or not you choose to put it forward. And I feel like this run and this character specifically really brings that into the forefront of your mind when you're reading these issues. And I feel like if you finish this run and don't take away The underlying thought of like, oh, I should be a a better person. I should go into experiences with kindness and understanding for those around me. Then I think you read the wrong book. (laughs) Like, if you don't think that after reading this, you're in the wrong spot. You need to do a reread. But I just, I just loved it. I thought it was so fun. And it just was, it just was so fun to see all of these amazing characters be affected for the better by this Kooky, silly, little amazing squirrel
0: girl. Well, I I also love that Silver Surfer bit because it shows that it is not easy what Squirrel Girl does. Yeah. Ultimately, recriminatory justice is the easy answer. You do something mean to us, we will punish you for it. You break the law, we will incarcerate you. And this book got a lot more interested in showing us that Squirrel Girl wasn't silly, but aspirational as it went on. Mm -hmm. Squirrel Girl is not unbeatable. Spoiler alert, everyone. That's like, she beat Galactus with squirrel powers. She beats all these characters because she meets them at a level they've never been met before. She communicates with these people. She helps them find what they need to be successful, and she moves on. And ultimately, what seems like a gag for the comic book is clearly demonstrated throughout the run to be Ryan North's answer to, um, I guess, Alan Moore's question that was raised with Watchmen. Here we go. We're going full circle about how we combat the fascistic undertones of the superhero that we are going to have powerful people punish those who do not abide the laws of our land and lock them away. And Squirrel Girl is Ryan North's answer saying that is absolutely not aspirational. Throwing people into our carceral system is not aspirational. What is aspirational is providing everyone the necessary emotional honesty and empathy to allow them to be the good people that they are at their heart. The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl says that there are no villains. You can look at the most despicable people in the Marvel Universe. Doctor Doom makes multiple reappearances in this book. And he is thwarted time and time again by Squirrel Girl and her ability to not meet him at his level. And I think what Ryan North is trying to teach us as the reader is that we are not facing super powered problems here. We have very human problems and we too can solve them with emotional intelligence and honesty.
1: I think it's, it says a lot about Ryan North's intelligence, not just like in terms of like his scientific analytical mind, which is already he's, he's, for all intents and purposes, in the most loving way possible, a nerd. And I love it. I love every second. Whenever he's talking scientific jargon, I'm like, yes, I'm here for it. But there's an emotional and a social intelligence in this book that is just unbelievable compared to what the majority of superhero comic books are. And Dallas, you touched on it so, so perfectly. Um, It's just, there's, there's no other book out there that is that I can remember that has tried to not necessarily attack, but actually critique superhero comics this well since maybe Watchmen. And I think that's the crazy part because I was talking earlier about like, I don't think people are always looking for the next Watchmen. I think they're looking in the wrong places. I don't think people are looking for the actual messages of the book so much as they are the tone. People are like, if it's the same tone, then it's going to tell me the same story. And I don't think that could be any further from the truth. This is a book that I have decided will be whenever I have kids one day. This is going to be the first comic book that I hand to them. It is. I'm going to own a Squirrel Girl omnibus to hand to my kids someday, assuming they can lift
0: it. Um, It is a doorstopper. I have it in my hands. Yeah,
2: she hefty.
0: The last letters page. Let me actually just read it. I'm going to vamp. Go
2: for it. Squirrel tail in her trunk.
0: I'm going to vamp for two seconds by just pointing out how. Happy it made me that the the letters page of every Unbeatable Squirrel Girl issue was filled with little kids and more specifically little girls at comic shops with the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl in their hand. Mm -hmm. There were dozens of little girls who became comic book fans because of Doreen Green and Rico Renzi, the brilliant colorist on this, I know I was being silly at the beginning of this. But Rico Renzi, the brilliant colorist, in his farewell letter, said that one of the things he looks most forward to in life is handing the unbeatable Squirrel Girl to his daughter to show her what he did and what he made, and have it impact her in the way that it has impacted him. Um. I really love. In Ryan North's farewell, it says, "It turns out War and Peace is a mere one thousand two hundred and twenty-five pages, so we're weighing in at one point oh three Tolstoy's here." What I'm saying <laughs> is, we did good. <laughs> <laughs> there is more Squirrel Girl I, than there is War and Peace, and I think that's pretty awesome.
1: I, I read a whole War and Peace this week. Goddamn.
0: look at you look at you psychopath girls i I told you
2: 24 hours i told you what
0: you're nuts for that
2: look you told me 24 hours
1: you told me you finished saturday i'm like that's really cool i'm so glad you did that jesus (laughs) christ oh my god i was reading (laughs) this thing all week and i'm like i'm like in up to my neck and i'm like i can see the shore i can almost see the shore i'm like what issue am I on? 15? I can't see the short. I'm so far <laughs> out. I feel rip- in two I...
2: chunks of
0: 25. <sighs> You're nuts for that. I think I'm a slow reader is what I've learned, especially compared to Alexis. Each issue of this took me half an hour to read. So I could not have accomplished it in the 24 hour period that Alexis accomplished it. In. But that, yeah. That's a feature and not a bug. I loved it at the end when you got the huge page of all the villains and the note was like, oh, wow, the unbeatable Squirrel Girl is amazing because for $4, I get so much bang for my buck. There's so much more comic here than usual. Or so you said,
1: you <laughs> now.
0: Oh, man. I, I, I think the best feature of other comics is how quickly I get through them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, I, love, I love being able to speed read. It's great.
0: Oh. <laughs> I was...
1: Itching to get nice. back to my um, my Ed Brubaker read. I'm like, Fatal Volume 2 would take me 20 minutes. I can get through this in a heartbeat. Let's go. Let's go. I got through Bone Orchard, um, 10,000 Feathers, in like 15 minutes. I'm like, this is this is perfect.
3: This is mm-hmm.
0: in
1: and out I think I read Murder Falcon in like a half
2: hour. Yeah, sounds
0: about right. Damn, you two are nuts for that. I take so long <laughs> to read comics.
2: See, but you're like looking for themes and shit. I'm just like, hmm. I don't know what that word skip. means, but okay, I'll
1: skip it. <laughs> just staying at the panel, what does Little Busta mean by... Mm-hmm. Little
0: Busta is also surprised by this. Little <laughs> Busta is the most important character in the Marvel Universe. I loved every time the notes would invent a character and then be like, this might be the most important character of mm-hmm. whatever year they were in. <laughs> yeah, and just like, by the way, they've been in every issue, you just
1: couldn't see them. So now all your back issues are significantly more... Exp- are more um
0: it's oh, so, so um I wanna use that as like a segue to ask you a question, Anne. Yes. The bottom notes, but then l- more largely, what do you think of the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl as the intersection of education and comedy? Because there has never been a smarter or funnier book, and certainly never both, quite like the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl.
1: <laughs> I, I I had the meanest thought when I was reading this book. I'm like, Ryan North is like if a nerd had a personality
0: this is so cool i love him (laughs) one of my favorite compliments that i get on a regular basis and i'm gonna pat myself on the back here people always like wow you're really smart but you're much more personable than you would think from someone as smart as you yeah and that always hits someone's like hell yeah they're like usually smart people are not fun to be around i think ryan north is smarter and better than me in every way
1: yeah I, I, it, it's one of the things that I've really found frustrating about the, the science field is I, I'm very much, I, I used to think I was an introvert because I was so shy, but I'm just like an extrovert who didn't want people to make fun of me. Um, I've become more and more extroverted as time has gone on and working in that environment, you find a lot of people who are really, really smart, like masters, doctorates level people that just really have nothing they want to say to you. There is, there is not a thing you could say to them that would make them laugh, that would entice them. They're just living in their own world and that's awesome for them. But it's, it, I find very quickly, it, it gets hard for me to, to, to meet with them on that level. And I have to move to their level if I want to make that connection. But it's, I love it when there's this intersection that happens where I'm like, I can understand everything you're saying because it's everything that I know. But also you're meeting me on my perfect my perfect level, my perfect playing field. This is the ideal the ideal style of comic for anyone has ever like me spent their enti- entire childhood watching shark and dinosaur documentaries on the discovery channel and you, that's why we're best didn- friends bro you two <laughs>
2: nerds that's it's why a-
0: we're best
1: friends i didn't have to study for a single science test until freshman year of college discovery Big channel nice. hooked me the fuck up now now all it's going to hook you up with is like i don't know 90 day fiance or something i don't know what's what's happening on discovery these alone. days
2: alone that's rude of you <laughs> that was great no
1: offense no offense you you can I'll be take a fan of my love island and leave thank you <laughs> the 90 days fiance's extended universe um that's Lil Busta does <laughs> is not approve discovery
2: channel for sure <laughs> discovering this is terrible tv
0: <laughs> Lil buster does not approve Lil Busta needs to ask alexis though what do you think of? Uh, the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl as an educational tool. Did you, as someone who isn't quite as enamored with the sciences as Anne and I are, really enjoy I was the this comic idiot book? Of this comic book podcast, no one said that. No one say the no one meanest said those version words. of what I say. I'm like Alexis, as someone with a different experience than me, and you'd be like, "Oh, worse and ugly experience." It, no. It's because no. Of it's, your sister. Exactly. Dallas, let me say it. Let's as someone on this podcast with a different experience. Um, someone with different life values than my carbon copy over there. <laughs> how did you feel as someone about, who lives
2: in the past. Yeah, um, how do you
0: feel about the unbeatable squirrel girl? And every time they would, like, wax poetic about computer science...
2: I think that my brain might have fuzzed over a little bit in some of the places. Um, I re- like, yeah, when they were on. Um, I can't remember the the name of the dinosaur place. The Savage Land. Land. Savage Lands. Savage Lands. Land. Yeah, we I was got like, you. Oh, this is just yeah. Jurassic World. Okay, cool. Um, but their little Doom friend that they made. Anytime that he would talk smart, I was like, mm, "You're just pretty."
3: But it- <laughs> in I was
2: like, hmm, me and Nancy would just like for you. To stop talking. <laughs> just stop talking. <laughs> but no, I definitely feel like it was done in a way that made it a lot easier to swallow, which I feel like in other comics and other stories that we've read, sometimes it's a little heavy. Um, but I feel like with like the lighthearted feel of the character and of the story anyway, it just was much more fun. And I feel like it made a lot of sense in the story, like specifically when they were talking in um, like the robot language to find Brian. And they like would type out the the was it binary code binary? Yeah. Yeah. When they were typing that out to try and find him. I was like, mm, this is excellent. Look at them. Oh, also, I just have to say honorable mention for the worst villain of all time being named Melissa. That's the funniest shit I've ever heard in my entire life. Can you imagine your nemesis being named Melissa? Phenomenal. <laughs> she doesn't even have a real scary name. Her name's just Melissa. Hmm.
0: Yo, when Melissa gathers together all of the villains, mm-hmm. and they have the meter of who's going to win the fight. that <laughs> yeah. every time. And then... When the Avengers come and you're like, oh, thank goodness. And they lose. And then, I don't know how I didn't see it coming. But when, like, all of the villains that she had been kind (gasps) to.
2: Tears.
0: Came to her aid. I blubbered like an idiot. I have never been hit so hard with the pathos stick as I was by the unbeatable squirrel girl. Number 49.
1: Brutal. Brutal. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was and um,
2: very
0: cool. I also didn't see when Galactus came to save the day.
2: Oh my gosh, that was like an extra, like it was like a swerve and then swerve the other way of just like chaos. And then you rolled your car a couple of times.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's so fun when you think about because it, it's like, imagine you showed up to save your favorite waitress of all time. It's like, <laughs> you gave me the best meal of my life and I would die for you. Let me, let me kick these small people for you. It was yeah. great. It was fantastic.
2: As someone from a small town, I, I could see someone doing that. I could do that.
1: Isn't that the musical Waitress is about?
2: <laughs> I've
1: never seen it. I have to assume.
2: You it's have about a Dallas has. It's hmm.
1: mostly about having sex with your doctor. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's also Doctor Who. Anyways, yeah, it was... That moment had me tearing up. There's so many fun, emotional moments that hit you when you're not expecting. Like when um, Melissa leaks Doreen's um, identity to the press. Um, And there's that moment where they're just like, are you okay? And she's like, I just, I wasn't done being Doreen yet.
3: Oh, so sad. And I'm like,
1: oh, God. Okay, fine. That, yeah, I'm sad.
0: It's just. It works. Everything works. It's brilliant do we have i want we're at about the 30 ish minute mark Mm -hmm. i want to dedicate about 30 minutes to erica henderson and the artwork and visual presentation of this as well so before getting there do we have any specific storylines we want to talk about before shifting largely into the visual presentation of this book
2: i feel like my favorite storyline is very much uh erica henderson related so i feel like it could go into that so maybe ann okay
1: um it's okay it's not my favorite story arc but one of the things i want to talk about just from the plot wise character perspective of this book before we switch over to art is just the fact that koi boy exists this was (laughs) um (laughs)
3: he's
1: he's a great character he's a great moment of comedic relief when it counts but there's just a bit about this being one of the first actual representations of a trans masked person in comic books. And it's one of the things where it's like, it's a little bittersweet that this was at a time where it's just like being able to say that explicitly was probably not allowed by editorial. And that's why they had to be sneaky about it. And only people with like eagle eyes would have noticed that one part where Ken is switching into his costume and he has a binder on and that was like oh that's that's how you know that's we, we figured it out we we cracked the we cracked the case and even though it's like from from that moment that's th- the lack of explicity or explicitness i guess um does hurt a little bit it's it's nice that it's here it's nice that he exists and it's nice that ryan north and erica henderson added that level of depth to these characters it's like Every, everyone in this cast is so special for different reasons. And I think that was a great, great moment in um, inclusion that I love so, so much. And I just wanted to give that a shout out. And I'm upset they couldn't talk about it more explicitly because I would have loved Ryan North to give um, the um, the turf smackdown on all these people who
0: like to pretend like they know what biology is. So... I liked how you could see this book straddle two eras, though, as well. We're, yeah. At the beginning, we get the koi boy wearing a binder which i i was very happy i would not have noticed that if i Mm -hmm. had not been told by my trans friends that that was something to look for and so seeing that i was like oh wow that's that's amazing i know what that is because i'm fortunate enough to have been told what that is what Mm -hmm. a cool nod but then by the end of the book there was a like a ladies and gentlemen moment where they were like oh and tony uh, Tony stark did it yeah tony stark iron man of all people said like He's, she's, and they's. Like, I... That that was really touching. And it... It just speaks to the casual nature of Ryan North's inclusivity. Mm-hmm. That I... I mean, it comes out in his fantastic four run now where that, like, he talks about... Every character with so much love and care. Like, the Alicia issue about her blindness
3: mm-hmm.
0: is... About her blindness, and it is incredibly empathetic and kind and never pandering in a way that I don't think I've ever seen someone who looks like Ryan North have so much tact representing so many different kinds of lifestyles. I have this man contains an empathy and a vastness of spirit that I don't think anyone else comes close to. Yeah, because every experience he writes about feels lived in and kind. And it just blows me away. Like he does not miss. Mm -hmm. I don't know how he doesn't miss because he takes so many risky shots. Like anyone else would have missed and he just doesn't do it. It's incredible.
1: The exact line, by the way, is guys, gals and non-binary pals. And it's, it's just moments where it's like, Hey, you know what it costs to be nice. Absolutely nothing. You don't have to make a big deal about it. You don't need to pat yourself on the back about it. Just do it. Someone asks you, like, hey, this would make me feel more included. It doesn't hurt to make someone feel more
0: included. I, before moving on to the art section, want to talk about Nancy Whitehead.
1: Okay. Yes.
0: What do we think about Nancy Whitehead? Whoever wants to go first can go first.
1: She's incredible. I have seen... I've read so many comics and there are so many supporting casts that will come and go and leave no impact. Like if like, I forget your name five minutes after I met you. I don't, I won't remember you five seconds after this book is set down. It's, it's just like, you're here. You served a purpose, I guess in the plot, but you just, that's about it. She's a character who, and maybe it's partially because of the, just the, um, the way that Ryan North writes, And how much they manage to cram into every single issue. But she's a character that you feel like you know just as well as Doreen. As like They're like neck and neck the entire way through the um, the series. And she gives Doreen a nice foil from time to time. She gives her the support she needs. She's always present, even when they're doing superhero. I love the moment in the beginning where it's like the, um, the superhero team. And then Doreen's there too. And she's just like texting on her phone. And she's just like, sup? She's never not in this book and she's given so much to do and the character moments she has are also incredible. I love um, the relationship she had between her and that um, the Latverian guy in the Savage Lands and how she is so often instrumental in taking down these enemies that schoolgirl faces because without powers, her and Doreen are in equal playing fields. They're both um, in the same program. They're both doing the same things. They're both Equally intelligent and impressive human beings. And the the arc, oh, the, the arc that I loved so much was the one where they got stuck in hypertime together and were just Yay. going around I New want, York City that's the one like I want little to talk flashes.
0: flashes. No, I want to do an entire issue breakdown of that together. That's Erica Henderson's yeah, that's last issue. That's the one that I
2: wanted to talk and about, I, about yeah. Erica.
0: I think we should talk about that entire issue. Absolutely. As a whole. Um, Lexi, I, talk about. Um, <laughs>
1: Talk about Nancy first before we do that.
2: Nancy. I, as someone who, this is, this might sound a little bit of weird, but this is my own personal take. As someone who didn't have a lot of friends or close relationships with my peers growing up, I have recently discovered the concept of an adult best friend. And I feel like that is, Nancy for Doreen like you will go about your life thinking that you have it all figured out and that you're fine being alone and then just one special person will come into your life and just completely change the trajectory of it and I feel like reading their relationship and their friendship and the Steps that they got to together with their adventures. It just really reminded me a lot of my really good friend that I've gotten really close with in life. And, um, I don't know, like I don't know if that's silly or if that's even what I was supposed to take away from it, but it just made me feel like that relationship was so seen. Like that was so special. And, to have the one really close friend and then a small immediate group of friends and becoming an adult and realizing like that that's the only thing that matters. Like you don't need to have dozens and dozens of best friends. Like you're taught that you are supposed to growing up or whatever, but it's just like those immediate close people that matter the most. And I feel like that was definitely how I read Nancy and Doreen and I'm I mean, I'm very excited to talk about the time warp stuff. But that's, yeah, just that's how I feel about Nancy. I loved her. I loved how she was her own character. She had her own feelings. She had her own experiences. And they just went so well with the character building for herself and Doreen and the whole story as a whole. She just, and they're so wonderful. Like a little puzzle piece.
0: I think that Nancy Whitehead is one of the only support female supporting characters in a comic book to pass the spirit of the Bechdel test. I'm not talking about like the oh, it's the Bechdel test. So two women talk without a, any about it being a man. Like that's the joke. But the spirit of the Bechdel test is that like it is so rare for strong female characters to be written with their own motivation, independent of the protagonist and whatever the main plot of the book is. That it is truly astonishing at how often Nancy Whitehead passes that. Nancy Whitehead is a character on par with Doreen Green, with the same amount of agency grace and growth extended her as the titular character of the unbeatable squirrel girl. I don't think I can name another co-star of any comic that does not end up getting superpowers or this, that, that is given the kind of grace that Nancy Whitehead is. I think Spider-Man is often my touch point for an astonishing rogues galaxy gallery and supporting character cast and i mean there are so many memorable great characters but i don't think even any of them come close to the emotional depth and individuality that is afforded nancy whitehead she is a character that i had extended issues just about her and i did not mind I was never sad when Doreen was off the page because her supporting cast was so strong. Not just Nancy, but Coy Boy, Chipmunk, (laughs) Hunk, Brain Drain. Like, they all were fun and great, but Nancy Whitehead stands out supreme because she honestly was the co-lead of this book. Like, Like Anne said, she was always involved. Like Alexis said, she had such an emotional, important, central part of this book. And she taught us and Doreen that you don't have to have super powers to be a superhero. And I think that that will transition us pretty well into issue 31, which then can transition into us talking about the visual aspect of this comic book. So Alexis... You were the one chomping at the bit. Get us started on our conversation about issue 31. And I honestly, I will not be sad if we go like scene by scene through this issue, because I genuinely think if you were to hand one issue of Squirrel Girl to anyone, I'd pick this one.
2: Agreed. Like, I mean, we just jump right in with one of the funniest villains of all time, especially for our generation. He's a villain that literally streams himself on the Internet while he's doing heists Funniest shit I've ever seen. Goofiest outfit. Love to see it. Love to see it. And basically, I can't can't remember his name, but the villain (laughs) zaps Doreen and Nancy with this fun little ray gun and basically freezes them in time to the point where they are off the same time schedule as the rest of the world. So... They kind of compared it to like them running super, super fast, which I thought was also funny because you see like in the movies with the notorious super fast characters that they'll like, oh, reposition people while they're running around, move them to safety, things like this, which do come up in the issue. And we see them basically come to terms with the fact of like, oh, it's just us. We're just kind of hanging out on our own little time wave over here. And it just was a mix of both of them having such amazing independent feelings about the situation. Like, I loved how it both, it prayed to both of their advantages. Like, I mean, we see Squirrel Girl, she was going around the town helping all of these people because she's moving a lot faster than all of them. Like, for example, um, there was a little boy chasing his cat across the street in front of a car. She picks up the little boy and cat and puts them on the sidewalk so that when their time matches up, the kid will be out of harm and just stuff like that. And it's just like the funny um, mix of that. And then also um, Nancy working on a time machine to help try and get them back on their time line with the rest of their friends and it just was so special to see them having that time together and learning and growing together over I think it was like almost 40 years or something 30 40 years of them in that alternate time warp zone of just the two of them living out their life in the span of that 30 40 years but in the reality it was just two days weekend um and then growing and developing as friends and close partners in life. And just, it just was, so, it just was so special. I don't, I don't even know. Just like the different bits and pieces of it showing up were so fun. And seeing Nancy being, working so hard with her intelligence, trying to put this machine together for all of these years and, I don't know I feel like I'm rambling but I loved the different like the little notes that they would leave their uh, their friends in the quote unquote real world and like I specifically thought it was so funny with their helping people montage where she was where a lady was sleeping in the front seat of her car and she put a brick on the gas I was like oh if I could just appear at work too that'd be so great (laughs) it's so great. But just just stuff like that. It was, like, the perfect mix of, like, silly, funny experiences and then also, like, the wholesome development of their relationship as Mm -hmm. just being so close. Like, I just found myself wanting to cry at the end of, like, oh, my gosh, these two are, like, uh, I don't know. It just was so great.
1: I... I think you did a great job. I also love the um the letters just randomly popping yeah, up. And they happen so so quickly and that's when you start to like you feel the the um the dread of it all because like, oh my god, they're gonna run out of time in there. Mm-hmm. But there's not a second that these two feel like they they lose hope or that they stop being really positive and optimistic about it. And when that thing happened where everyone's like, I'm gonna put the the brick on my pedal and I'm gonna go to sleep in my car, get me to work, please. Thank you. I'm like, what a dick thing to do. What an absolute dick thing to do. And the people jumping off the building. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. But not a single complaint from Doreen or Nancy. They just, they handle it. Because what else are they going to do? That's how they pass the time. And it was, I think, a real testament to their character. This issue as a whole is so, so emotional. Because it's just an, an artist saying goodbye. And it's, to me, it, it feels like, Nancy is Erica and the this is representative like she was on this book for 40 issues right and yeah she says um in 40 years we might just decide we don't like hanging out after all so I think that was a very not so um <laughs> subtle nod to the fact that hey this is Erica's last book she's leaving and does that mean she doesn't like Squirrel Girl anymore and the next page where it's just the the full splash of you're not getting rid of me that easy, that just absolutely brings tears to my eyes. And it's it's so obvious the impact that Erica brought to this book, but I think this book is also about the impact that Squirrel Girl had on Erica. I think back to her sketch she did in the letters page of issue fifty, where she was um, I forget the exact thing she she said, but she was like I wonder, like, we didn't know each other for that long, but you're going to be with me forever. And that was, it it was beautiful and it made me change the way I was looking at this issue. Looking at it just on a single issue on its own, I think it's great. But looking at it with the context of Erica's entire time on this run, it's hard to see this issue as anything else than, like, the most masterful send-off I've seen in any comic ever.
0: It's a brilliant sci-fi bottle episode. First and foremost, like I I will absolutely talk about how this is one of the most stirring send offs to a comic book creator of all time, but Ryan North, if you're not caught up on his fantastic four run, like shame on you, Alexis, even though we're not going to cover it on the show soon, it's in our comicsology. like you would love it a lot. There are like nine issues so far. And since you love the fantastic four, Ryan North has been destroying that issue, that Mm -hmm. series. And the most recent issue of that was another example of a great science fiction bottle episode. But, I mean, Squirrel Girl and Nancy Whitehead moving just shy of the speed of light is brilliant and wonderful. But I don't think this would work half as well in less talented artistic hands Mm -hmm. because... One of the best things that Erica Henderson does is make this book feel lived in by providing characters multiple outfits. All of her characters, Erica Henderson, Alexis might not know this and she will love it. Erica Henderson in her free time, when she's not just illustrating masterpieces, she is a fashion designer for herself. All of her clothes are made herself and then um she cross stitches these crazy designs onto all of them like she's a great twitter follow not because she shares her art but because she shares her fashion like she made this crazy bedazzled romper recently with this inc- this insane black panther cross stitch on the back that she did it it was phenomenal like she's a style icon just by the way and it comes through in these comics where all the characters are always wearing new outfits, new beautiful clothes. That's my Mew screaming out the door, if everyone can hear that. But it (laughs) makes the characters feel real. And so when 40 years pass, they're in new outfits every time there's a time jump. They have longer, different hairstyles every time it jumps. And it's just a small detail that was in a lot of vintage comics. And this comic feels like a vintage comic, just in how dense it is and how interested it is in being educational and aimed at kids while also being a giant soap opera. Like this is where my new thesis that all Marvel comics are science fiction soap operas comes from because this is the most Marvel comic since the Silver Age and it follows the formula perfectly of sci-fi soap opera. But all of those artists back in the day one of the most prestigious jobs you could get as an illustrator was as a fashion illustrator because cameras couldn't quite capture fashion magazine pick quality pictures yet. There were fashion designers that were hired. And so most of the big comic book artists of the silver age and bronze age even had a background in fashion illustration. And that's why every issue of Dave Cockrum, X-Men, Jean Grey has the most sleigh outfit you've ever seen in your life because Dave Cochran is a fashion designer, first and foremost, that then switched into doing comic books. And I just think it's fun to have Erica back on that because when these characters age and change, you get to see that visually. Um, I also, I want to do a quick shout out to rico renzi in this because you can see erica's painterly coloring style on the covers of this and then also very prominently in danger and other unknown risks which if you're listening to this and you have not listened to that episode and you have not read that book please go read danger and other unknown risks same team same quality but erica has this really cool watercolor very oily means of coloring her own work that is brilliant on the covers, but I think would have made these very dense comics feel too busy. And so Rico Renzi's flat colors on her dark, very shape-driven artwork makes this book sing. Like, her heavy line approach, her blocky character design matched with his flat naturalistic colors is just the perfect alchemy for superhero goodness. And so that will be our transition into the Erica Henderson 30 minute power hour, where we talk about how Eric Anderson is one of the greatest comic book artists working. And I don't know if you can do this well, Uh, Anne and Lexi, but listener at home, you have no excuse. Go ahead and pause us. Compare issue one of this book where you were impressed with Erica Henderson's work to issue 31 of this book. And then I want you to know the little tidbit of information that I have that the unbeatable squirrel girl was Erica Henderson's first professional comic book work. Will Moss reached out to her uh, who was doing illustrations for video games at the time and just on social media, Will Moss, the editor of this book reached out and said, Hey, would you submit squirrel girl designs? I'm trying to get a book made. And she said, sure. And then he contacted her a few weeks later and said, those were great. Uh, we're going to see if the book goes anywhere. And then Ryan North reached out to her and said, hi, I've been hired as the writer And you've been hired as the artist for the unbeatable squirrel girl. We're going to be working together for the foreseeable future. And so you literally get to see from page one of this Erica Henderson's growth from first comic book issue to at that time, most recent comic book issue. And it is astonishing. Not just at how much she improves, but at where she started. I mean, issue one is phenomenal. But by issue 31, I was blown away by the fact that almost all of these pages are six panel pages because it does not feel that way. Every Erica Henderson page of comic books feels visually diverse. And that is the term I keep coming back to in my head when I think of Erica's work, is visually diverse. Not just in the... Like diverse in representing many different kinds of people, places, and looks of humanity, which it does. But the pages are always laid out differently. The shapes of characters are always different. The angles at which we look at characters and events are different. It is always visually stimulating to turn the page of an Erica Henderson book. And I can't think of a better way to sell that than to point out that all of these are six panel pages. Like, think about how many six panel pages you've read in your day that are just one, two, three, four, five, six, all stacked like the long pieces of Tetris. And then look at an Erica Henderson page and be like, wow, you got the same script for that and you made it visually diverse. So what what do you two think about Erica Henderson as an artist? I think it's
1: she's she's one of those artists. Where I've seen so many people on first impression that just don't get it. She feels like Frank quietly to me in that way. Where I've seen so many people just like take a, a quick glimpse at her art. And they just they're just like it's not for me. It's not for me. But the moment you read any of her work in sequential order. Like you should. The moment you read it in any story. It works so well at selling action at selling emotion, at selling humor. Every time that it de- deviates from that six panel a little bit to like cut a panel in half, it's always done in favor of comedic timing or emotional timing and it makes everything so much better. These these are dense comics but they flow because every panel ends exactly when it should. It guides you through the story perfectly. It is one of the best Drew, like, okay, the way I would describe it is people talk about the differences between an artist and a writer in comics. And people will say, if you think about it in terms of movies, the writer is the screen, is the person that writes the screenplay. But the artist is the director, the cinematographer, the the casting director, costume designer, all of the above. The special effects team, they do all of it. This is one of the best, if you're using that analogy, this is one of the best directed comics I've ever read in my entire life.
0: Yeah. 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 Pants down.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's true. I feel like for me, this might sound very silly to the resident um, professionals in the comic world that I'm surrounded by, but Erica Henderson is an artist. I will remember. And I don't know if that makes sense to everybody else. But I feel like I, even though I have been doing this a long time, contrary to what my brain feels, I, it still takes a lot for me to recognize creators in the wild, if you will. <laughs> like I can't pick up a comic and be like, oh, this is so-and-so just from looking at it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Erica's style, I can. I feel very confident that I would be able to pick this out of a lineup. And I mean that in the best way. I am obsessed with her ability to make these characters so individualistic. Like I love the the way that they are created on these pages. I just think that they're so special. And even like from all of the other works that I've seen from her, like, I mean, even like the danger and Un- other, um, Unknown Risks. That book was so fun. I loved the art in that one. I loved all the bright colors, all the amazing, like jumping at you, different looking, like looking at the pages is just so addicting. Like it's, it's comics like this and artists like this and creators like this that make me understand why comics are so addicting to everyone. Like they're just, they're just so fun. And I feel like Erica really seals the deal in that aspect
0: with her art -hmm. this is something that is you know i'm not gonna preface this at all there are so many artists that are so bad at drawing black people and black people's hair Mm
3: -hmm.
0: it is like brian hitch i love you you do great work you have never drawn a not whack-ass hairline for a black character in your entire life And Nancy Whitehead not only has great hair, she has six or seven great hairstyles. I, every character passes the silhouette test. You black these characters out and you know exactly who's standing where. And every character looks like a person you'd meet. Like one of my favorite things about, and this is for Doug from for every kind of geek underrated masterpiece Sam Raimi's Spider-Man is all of the dang ass little freaks in the background of those movies. Like if you watch any modern movie, especially modern Marvel movies, all of the extras in the back are just standing there like set dressing weirdos. But if you watch Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, there are the weirdest little New Yorkers you have ever seen living out their own soap opera in the back. And living in New York, I can speak to the fact that I have never seen stranger-looking people living more fulfilled lives than I have on any given day on the New York subway system. There is this common propaganda that they sell you in New York that people are beautiful here There are some really beautiful people here, myself included. And we really up the average, right? Like most of the tens come here, myself included again. But the vast majority of our 8 million people are uggos with caustic personalities. And yet it's the greatest city on the planet. And what I love about the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl is that they're all a little uggo in a wonderful way. Except, and I'm going to need everyone to be really I cool. I
2: believe you. I'm
0: going to need everyone.
2: Was, yes, I'll go in a cool way. That would crush my entire internal living. I would have to go into hiding.
0: I'm going to need everyone to be real cool for five seconds and mute their mics and not say anything to me. But like, Doreen Green is bad as hell. That is one hot lady right there. I have never seen something so specific to Not the male gaze, but to, like, a man's gaze. Like, I remember the moment when I went from a boy who was like, Oh, I was raised in the 2000s, and I like long tree elf women. To when I became a man that was like, I like them. I just like them. Hell yeah. And Doreen Green is the hot superheroine for the for real men that's all i gotta say all right everyone can come back oh i killed both my co-hosts and i'm sure some of the listenership i am positive i'm going to be getting a comment from at least two i or could Poor
2: bleach in my brain <laughs> i would i did not need that coming through my headphones from my brother thank you
0: i thought it was great dorian green you're the baddest one around <laughs> When she wears that little purple number with her hair kind of fancy for that painting in number 31, I was like, girl, you got it. (laughs) (laughs) Like every time she wears a little crop top, I'm like, Erica Henderson, you were for me. Erica Henderson draws for the people. The people are me.
1: (laughs) I actually, that was great. Thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, I get it though. She had thighs and savage lands. Okay, <laughs> moving on.
2: The women, um, the women were too, too stunned to speak.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh my gosh. I don't. I don't even know. Okay, so Erica was fantastic. my, my question for both of you: When the artist change happens at issue thirty two,
0: Derek Charm. You are a talented guy, and I have never seen someone have to fill bigger shoes. I am deeply sorry. I I think you are so talented. I missed Erica so much.
2: Yeah. I did eventually like warm up to it. I was like, oh, this mm-hmm. is fun in its own way. It was at the Ratatask mm-hmm. Arc. Yeah.
0: It was at the Ratatask Arc that I was like, wait a second. Wait. A second Derek Charm.
2: <laughs>
0: Are you just doing Scott Pilgrim versus the world, but through John Allison and Darwin Cook lens? And that is when I realized I liked Derek Charm a lot. And I was just far enough away from Erica to be like, You were beautiful all along, Derek mm-hmm. Charm. You wonderful little boy, you. Listen, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be real honest. I got sold
1: on him really, really quickly. After Erica left, I loved Erica, but like, I th- I think the moment that did it was the single panel of Brain Drain in his tuxedo.
3: Oh,
2: that was especially wonderful.
1: Yeah. And then say. the second moment where he does the um, homage to Spider-Man, revealing his secret identity in Civil War, and the paneling is exactly the same with the same colors and everything. I'm just like, oh, perfect. This is nice. I'm I'm having fun here. I I also love that she reveals her secret identity, and Craven's like, yeah, I knew. So what? Ooh, I. <laughs>
2: I do have to say, Craven, though, in that art style, slaps. That goes pretty hard. He looks pretty cool. Especially in civilian wear. Yeah. That makes me even more worried about the movie. I feel like we just need to light it on fire now. Just to save us <laughs> yeah. all. How, how
1: do you look at this man and be like, you know what, Aaron Taylor Johnson? He's White the man? guy.
3: No! <laughs> <laughs>
2: he's,
0: oh my gosh. It's... You know my main beef with Derek Charm? What? His squirrels are too cute. Erica Henderson understood... Is that mangy-ass squirrel? It. That mangy <laughs> one ruled. And that was by the time that I loved Derek Charm. But mm-hmm. at the beginning, I think Derek Charm didn't want to include Tippy Toe very much. Tippy Toe was a pretty important character through Erica's whole run, and there were a lot of times I got to see her ugly, weird little head. And she would have this terrible squiggly mouth. And I'd be like, that is exactly how my cat looks when she's too close to my face. Just awful in an adorable way. And then little Mr. Derek Charm comes along and is like, what if I draw the cutest little squirrel? And then what if I secretly write notes to Ryan North that Tippy Toe isn't allowed to come on any adventures anymore? And she doesn't go to jail. She doesn't. Hang out with anybody. They even call out in the issues. They're like, Tippy Toe hasn't been participating much anymore. And I've been like, I've noticed. I almost swore there, but this is a family friendly episode. <laughs> I noticed that Tippy Toe was not in these issues. And sure, she was a pretty big part of the finale. But the damage had already been done, Derek Charm. Okay, when Tippy Toe does speak to the horde of squirrels, I'm a big fan, and I love Tippy's bow. <laughs> Tippy's bow is so slay.
2: I thought it was named Danger Peanut. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> just like, read this page again, and I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Chef Bill. Let me just read him off. I'm sorry. The squirrels are named Chef Bill, Van Parts, Cassiopeia, Floyd, Danger peanut and Ambassador class. In the world?
0: Oh, oh Ambassador a... class. Little Busta is still the best one. <laughs>
3: Good time.
0: What did you think of Erica did three of them and then Derek did one of them squirrel girls GI Joe outfits where she had her first outfit, which is super cute designed by Erica Henderson. And then she had Mm -hmm. her flight suit, which was awesome. And I was like, go, go fly girl powers. And then she had her skirt suit with the red belts and the power skirt. And I was like, gosh, you're so real for this. And also Erica Henderson, you're so real for this being like, she needs a new outfit. And I was like, you're treat, right. Treat, treat these characters like, me, like Polly Pockets. Yes. And then Derek Charm, I think a major part of the charm of Derek Charm was when he said, what if I designed the greatest winter power outfit for G.I. Joe Squirrel Girl that's ever existed?
2: Slaps. It goes so hard. I want one.
0: I would wear it. Mm-hmm. Your Honor, I would wear it. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Same.
1: The, okay, the one the one place I really want to give Derek Charm his credit though is the silent issue, the the their oh. little nuff said issue with yes. the librarian ghost. So so okay. fun, and I'm not just saying that because it's the only one I didn't have to spend every single page checking out what's written <laughs> in the margins. Um, so I got through it pretty quickly.
0: <laughs> hey, I well listen homages. here, you coward. How I about when Erica margins. Henderson did the pizza dog homage with Mew? Yes, How about Mule. that?
3: It was Alexis. also great. It was also Alexis. great. Pizza
0: dog. Did you go, oh, Pizza Dog issue? Because you've yes. read that run. You were yes. like, the Pizza Dog issue. I
3: said, Pizza
2: Dog. I said, I love a good little pet. I love a good little pet moment.
0: That is my world's finest. To quote a podcast that hasn't been released to the masses yet, where Anne said, That's my world's finest, <laughs> that no one is going to listen to for almost a month. And they're going to forget this now Mew and Pizza Dog is my world's finest
2: hmm they
0: should do a team up episode gosh it rules so hard mm-hmm. every time erica drew a character that wasn't squirrel girl as well ruled like her drawing of hellcat ruled her drawing of hulk ruled her drawings of dr doom all-time great okay. her drawings of captain marvel great her tony stark great I love Tony Stark as supporting character in this, just by the way. Yes. Oh, I yeah.
2: Nice. Mm-hmm. I love nice Tony. Also, when they spent all his money and he wasn't that worried about it, that was hilarious. He was like, was this me? I don't know. Oh, my gosh. I just found a mangy squirrel. Oh, his name's Archie.
1: <laughs> Wait. Mangy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Archie the mangy squirrel. Mm-hmm. Also, get some leaves.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he, saying how he gave humans fleas. That's
1: funny. He talks like creepy Dave to me.
3: <laughs> he does he is creepy Dave. Creepy Dave. <laughs> creepy Dave.
2: It's, me, Dave. it's me.
0: Is me, is Archie. It's Archie. Our main it's
2: Archie?
0: That's also how Craven the Hunter talks. Just throwing that
2: out
1: there. <laughs> okay, What's up? Start- is
0: my Craven can we talk about when Chef Bear and Alfredo the Chicken fell in love and then got married? Oh, oh my god! And then That's the backup story of all they, time. And then they were in the back of the issue with wedding rings on in the big final splash page.
2: Or <laughs> my Nancy clocked Melissa? She's like, where in the world would you find a rooster sitter? Be for real. She's like, and what what kind of passport you got to get for that? Melissa was like, you got me on you got me on that one. When she was talking about passports for a rooster, I was like, oh, this is me researching our airplane on our flight (laughs) to Turkey.
0: Dear listener, once upon a time when we were getting on an airplane to Turkey, Alexis went, they're going to either turn us left or right here. You see there are two entrances, one by the wings and one by the nose. I'm pretty curious. I think they're probably going to direct us to the right towards the wing. And me and my brother both just turned to her and we were like, exactly. That's exactly (laughs) what we did. We barked at her (laughs) like a cop dog, because who knows that? Who is like, I'm going to fly across the sea. I'm not going to learn anything about any of the cultures I will be visiting, but I will learn about the airplane.
2: (laughs) I also knew how many rows there would be, okay? I I literally had to plan according of where I would be seated, if it was in the middle row or on an aisle row, okay? Leave me alone. I was on that plane for 13 hours.
0: Your Honor, I would like to also raise you, Alexis, asking in the family group chat, do you guys remember when we went on that vacation to Hawaii? Granted, I was in sixth grade, (laughs) so Alexis was in second grade. She went, remember how...
3: I was literally eight years
0: old. (laughs) Remember how the rows were like three, and then the middle had five, and then the other row had three? Do you think the plane we're going to be on this time is going to be like that? And I was like... That was almost 20 years ago, Alexis. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was was 15 years
2: ago, Alexis. That's not something normal people think about, okay? I'm
3: sorry. It's
0: like I haven't thought about the one plane I rode 15 years ago, Alexis.
2: Dude, it was keeping me up at night. I had to get it out, okay?
0: Alexis is asking about rooster passports is what we're getting at here.
3: <laughs>
2: it seemed perfectly logical to ask about a rooster passport, okay? I would ask about a rooster passport, especially if they were named Alfredo. That is hilarious. Is he an Italian chicken? I don't know.
1: <laughs> Alfredo is, listen, without a doubt, my favorite Jewish chicken. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Right, we got to the wedding, and I was like, "Oh, hey, look at Alfredo!" Yeah, oh, hey, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Also been watching the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. <laughs> oh wow!
0: I think the single greatest Erica Henderson moments of this entire book was Tyrannosaurus Ultron. Or oak yeah. tree
2: Ultron? Are you kidding? Yeah. Oh,
0: first listen. off, that was Derek Charm. So
2: okay, fair, fair. I will, I will retake, I will rescind that and use that it later. Like,
1: do I need to fight you? He goes, actually, dumbass. Do you have any idea what you just said to
0: me?
2: I just insulted his airplanes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. As I'm over here like, You see, all of these panels have uh, six panels on every page. And I'm like, Isn't Alexis crazy for liking airplanes?
1: Anyway, (laughs) could I walk you through every page of the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl? You see,
2: he's actually a genius for putting these things in margins. That's how we got our silly Billy out at the beginning. (laughs) <laughs> At least this is on topic.
1: In, as someone who watched three hours worth of Triassic animal videos today, you're both nerds. Un- undoubtedly. That's just it.
0: I feel like we need our own sitcom music to start playing right here. Like, everywhere you look, <laughs> there's a dang ass freak, not a normal brain cell on this podcast. <laughs> nope. Your Honor. They were Do all you know, strange. Do
1: you might not be like an actual theropod anymore. It might be a pseudo theropod. No way. They, they, they're they're saying shit, Dallas. They're saying shit about Herrerasaurus. This is like when they shrunk the dunk. This. <laughs> this
0: is when they shrunk the dunk and when they nerfed Spinosaurus. Why can't scientists just leave well enough alone? Listen, we've peaked with science, and now it's just going downhill. I just the saw the tra- agenda. I just saw the trailer for Steven Spielberg's knockoff. Um prehistoric planet, and they had beautiful Dunkleosteus that were not shrunk. And I was like, that has got to suck. Because they absolutely did all of that work before this paper just came out. And now all the nerds yeah. will be like, well, you see actually Dunkleosteus, looked more like an awful little goldfish.
1: <laughs> Sweaty nerds being like,
0: we can always make YouTube videos about
1: this.
3: Oh. It's going to be great. <laughs> oh, What about Listen, the chicken passports? Until,
1: until they make a time machine to prove to me that the dunk was shrunk. It wasn't. Your Honor, this has Moss
0: Chops written all over
1: you it. You cannot... Moss Chopsify, the only thing that Ohio has. You cannot do that to us. You cannot say the only thing you're known for is a big goldfish. Fuck
0: you. Oh, Family Podcast. You can
3: <laughs> take that
0: <laughs> I like that we held it until we got into the Dunkleosius that, conversation. It, it, it,
1: got into really serious shit for a second I, I forgot where I was
0: <laughs> Your Honor I blacked out They brought up Shrunken the Dunk and I, okay. Honestly my <laughs> eyes crossed and I saw red I've never been more mad at something becoming spherical
1: Lexi I'm going to send you
0: pictures of the shrunk dunk after, and you're going to understand yes. <laughs> Alexis is going to go damn girl that's crazy and not think about it a single time again
2: that's okay. I'm just over here thinking about Boeing
0: 747s. Can't be alone. <laughs> Lexi's like, what if they shrunk
1: a the Boeing 40, 747? What would seen that be like?
2: Things? Huge. They're not gonna sh- they're not shrinking one of those bitches. I'll tell you that now.
1: You say that now, but you the scientists don't they don't know when to stop.
2: Fair.
1: They don't know when to
0: leave well enough alone. <laughs> what were we talking about? Erica Henderson. Oh yeah. <laughs> I
1: I loved her
3: dinosaurs.
1: (laughs) I also love the little note where it's like, hey, let's just pretend the evolution kept
0: happening and that's why some of these don't have feathers. Let's be cool about it. (laughs) I I thought that was neat. We can stop being annoying for five seconds. I loved the Canadian superhero action figures that were Mountie Adventure Iron Man. I also love Canada, sometimes too, Captain America. Maple Syrup Harvest Black Widow with Sap Boiling Action. The Maple Tree Forever Groot with maple leaves. Pal Actus, the friendly Canadian Galactus. The It's Cold, That's All I Know About Canada, Iceman. And Wolverine, not a dream, not a hoax, not an imaginary story. This character is actually Canadian. <laughs> and then I like Squirrel Girl going, hmm, and then slamming money on the table.
2: <laughs> I think my favorite... books. Hmm. Money my favorite part
1: about that gag... It's not even Canadians remembered that Alpha Flight was a the thing. <laughs> they said, "Fuck, we're taking all the um the the knockoffs instead." Thank you. Um,
0: so good. I actually secretly there are a few like love letter issues in this, right? There's clearly the love letter to Erica Henderson, issue thirty-one. Yeah. But then there's the there's an arc in Canada that is big, like we love Canada. But the Robert Frost poem about snow in the forest with Derek charm up in Canada was such a, like Ryan North loves where he's from. Like this book can't help, but exude love for everyone and everything in it at all times. Like we've been joking about dinosaurs and everything, but like the Savage land, you could tell Ryan North loved dinosaurs. Every time Mm -hmm. computer science comes up, you can tell Ryan North loves computer science. Every time that, a problem gets solved with empathy, kindness, and emotional honesty. You can tell that Ryan North loves empathy, kindness, and emotional honesty. Like it just, he's bursting. He, he is also proof against this like fascistic BS that like smart people lose empathy that like they were smart enough to make the hard mean choice. Like, Ryan North is the smartest writer I think I've ever read and he is infinitely kind in all of his work and all of his characters are wicked smart bro and none of them have to like make hard choices because they're so smart and like I love those kind of books too but man does this book spit in their face. So what you're saying is we need Squirrel Girl on the Illuminati. Holy shit. They wouldn't have even had. She would
3: have they talked would have
2: down an so incursion.
0: <laughs> she would have talked down the Black Order. Mm-hmm. Whatever yeah. those freaky priests are, the Doctor Strange has to go and fight. Mm-hmm. She would have talked him down.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Her and Black what Swan would have, passed- would have gone on a swan boat through Central Park Lake. <laughs> Just picture walking up to the, the the
1: Black Priest being like, oh, you got words? I got a word for you. Friendship. Let's talk.
0: Kick butt, eat nuts. nuts,
2: eat fries, and compromise.
0: Heck yeah, Tippy! I love that.
2: Heck yeah, Tippy! Oh,
0: absolutely the best. Should we move on to listener questions? <laughs>
3: I oh, think yeah, we should. Yeah, we <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. If, if you're still here,
0: go listener, good. This has been one of our best episodes.
1: Yeah, it's true.
0: I can read the first one. Yes. Hey, Dallas Anne, And Alexis! You get the exclamation point, Lex. I hope all is well! This question is unrelated to this week's book, but I have really wanted to get into more long-running indie or standalone comics. I recently read Invincible and Preacher. You know what? Gianni, you are the baddest mother flipper (laughs) that has written into this comic. You read all of Preacher. You're my number one favorite fan of this show. and. They have become some of my favorite comics of all time. That's because you're real as hell, Gianni. I also just got the Saga Compendium and can't wait to start soon. Anyways, I would love it if you could recommend some indie books. I'm very open to more genres. Thanks. My first comment would be, we've got a huge backlog of episodes Mm -hmm. where we read indie comics. Mm -hmm. Oh, Anne, you want to say it out loud for the
1: people in the cheap seats? Giant Days please read giant days um, the library editions just came in they look beautiful um, check out that full series you will not regret a single second of it it will it will definitely change your life um, if I know you're open to more genres but if you like invincible you should check out the book irredeemable by Mark Wade and I believe it's Peter Strauss or Peter Krauss I don't remember his last name. But it's a it's a fantastic run and one of the only good Superman gone bad stories you'll ever read. Where every single issue leaves you with your mouth agape. And you're like, oh my god, how can this get worse? And then Mark Wade's like, oh it can. It can get so much worse. Every single second it gets worse. And you're just like at the edge of your seat the whole time. It's fantastic. Please, please check it out. Um, Ed Brubaker stuff. I've been getting into a lot lately. Um, you- Fatale. I'm, it's killing it. I'm loving it every second. It's, yeah, there's when so you, many great
0: indies. When you finally read Reckless, I will know peace. I'll know peace. I'll make sure heart. it's the last one I touch. Thank you. Thank you for that. I got you. We have an Ed Brubaker book coming in September instead of the Spider Man that I shouted out. So good on us because we got a cool guest for that episode. We'll get that figured out off air though. Alexis. Indie books that we've covered, non-superhero books that you love. What are they?
2: Um, one that I actually recently gave to a friend, um, courtesy of these two lovelies, giving it to me. Oh, Anne has the claw clip in, my, in her hair that I gave her for Christmas. Sorry, I just noticed that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I recently gave Always Never to a friend for her birthday, and she read it and loved it. So that's a goodie one.
0: That is fantastic. I thought you would say bone, which is one of my well, favorites. I mean, I
2: would get in there. Goodness, get- I had to give you guys some bones first.
1: Go. I'm so glad you brought that up because for my birthday, we went to a comic shop. Um, Arcadian Comics and Games in Newport, Kentucky, by the way. Fantastic, fantastic, kind people. They gave me some free stuff for my birthday. I love you guys so much. You were incredible. Um one of the books I picked up there, I picked up Always Never, and I looked at the group of friends I was with, and I said, I don't care which one of you, <laughs> but one of you is walking out of here with this book. And I just,
2: That's so good. like,
1: Kobe-ed it into the crowd, and I'm like, fight amongst yourselves. <laughs> Someone's taking that home. And someone took it home with them. So it was great.
0: I would also say, if you are a big fan of Garth Ennis's Preacher, um, not strictly an indie book, but his run on Hellblazer is phenomenal. And very in line with Preacher. And then also, just below this in the feed is, or above it, however your feed loads, last episode is an interview with Cy Spurrier with Evan. And in that, they talk about Coda and Step by Bloody Step, two of Cy's collaborations with Matthias Bergara that are awesome. If you love fantasy, Um, I would highly recommend Coda Give it two volumes, because volume one sets up the world, and then the last issue is the inciting incident that sets up the rest of the series, and then it gets really good. So give it two volumes.
1: Ooh, I got some rapid-fire ones.
0: Okay, and then we're going to move on.
1: Okay, The Pretty Deadly, check that out. Um Coming out right now, The Hunger in the Dusk, The Cull, and um, ooh, what's The Black Cloak? That's the other one. Okay, those are my rapid-fire ones.
0: Baboom. Alexis, any last one before we move on?
3: No.
2: <laughs> Sorry, I was reading the. She next said,
0: question. "Nope, I'm frozen." And do you want to read the second question?
1: <laughs> yes. This next one comes from April. Was wondering what was your favorite rodent, small ant what your favorite rodent or small animal is. Best wishes. Also, is this series Omni worth getting as a relative newcomer to Marvel Comics?
0: Hell yes! Yeah. Hell Bye. yes! I have it on my shoulder. Listen, for bang for your buck, terrible, by the way, 1.03 warren pieces, 700 times more expensive, but comics, you have to pay for the artist, and this is a honker that you will actually get so much time out of. Like, this will take you longer to read than almost anything else of comparable size in a good way. It is perfection, baby.
1: I will always recommend omnis as great coffee table books and this is going to be like the perfect one you're never going to want to put away so
0: listen this and immortal hulk are roughly the same size and sit next to each other in my haphazard way of storing comics and i can't think of a better boom bam combination of marvel comic books (laughs) frankly
1: (laughs) that's um definitely a little bit of um night and day
0: that's something Listen, inside of you there are two wolves. One is very sad and green, and one is very happy and furry.
1: <laughs> um, favorite rodent small animal. Um, I'm partial to ferrets. I like ferrets. Sissy. Oh, Fur
2: snakes.
0: Fur snakes.
1: They're actually
2: rap limos.
1: Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Someone who understands. Class. They have class. That's why they yeah. shit in my corner.
2: <laughs> Love that. Love um, her. I am especially fond of the small rodent named of Pot Gut. Dallas has quite a few funny stories of himself with said little small rodent in the mountains of Utah. Those ones are especially fun to chase around.
0: They're fun little guys. My number one, not a rodent, but small animal. But boom raccoons. I am number mm. one raccoon fan. Oh, Alexis gets this. <laughs> Alexis sends me raccoon memes all the time. The people who love me know... And send me raccoon memes. there are very few days that go by in my life that I'm not sent a raccoon a few times and <laughs> it rules.
3: Animal.
0: I love them so much. And like, I'm not usually this way. There are a couple of things I love in this world, comic books, glizzies and raccoons. And if those three things are coming up, I'm talking about them, baby raccoons Mm -hmm. raccoons
2: love that they're very funny little critters
1: (laughs) Lexi do you want to read the next question yes
2: okay next from Glenn yes from Glenn um says hey nuts there's only two (laughs) of those on this podcast number one
0: and I've got both of them
2: (laughs) 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 <laughs> okay, that's not what I was going with that, but thank you. Number one. I thought it.
0: <laughs> Bada boom. How'd you know their names was Tweedledee D and Tweedle Dumb?
3: <laughs> <laughs> ah, okay.
2: Who should play Squirrel Girl in live action? And number two, do you think Squirrel Girl and Gronk from Ever's new groove are besties? <laughs> Absolutely they're best friends. You cannot tell Scripts. me otherwise.
0: In other news, every <laughs> time you are in talk green. To her. Every time Doreen Green was talking, she was like, squeak, squeaker, squeak, squeak, um, squeak, squeak, <laughs> squeak. Hey, Peter. Hey, uh, squeak, squeaker, squeak, squeak, squeak um, I wonder
2: all the villains were like, WTF. When Kang is like, what are you saying? When she's talking to her OG squirrel. I know this is
0: completely off base, but I was just reman- reminded and I've got to embarrass myself a little bit here. I just did a silly voice and I remembered mm-hmm. something else my voice did this weekend. I went to karaoke for the first time in my life. Oh, no. And I was like, what's a song I know all the words to? That was my biggest priority.
3: Mm. Shouldn't have
0: been my biggest priority. I picked none other than Billy Joel's Piano Man. Because I know all the words to that. Oh, no. I didn't realize how high some of the notes in Piano Mm -hmm. Man were. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, sing us a song. You're the... (laughs) Piano man. <laughs> and my voice cracked every time. Every time I had to sing the first two lines of the chorus, which three times, my voice cracked and hurt dog ears. And I just had to power on through because I was loving my wife who wanted to do karaoke. And then for the rest of the weekend, my friends would just look at me and go,
2: Piano man. As they should. As oh, they should. you got it.
0: You gotta switch that falsetto. I, you gotta, gotta Addison, your nose, bitch. <laughs> Addison told me after she was like, I've never seen you that nervous. Cause like Aww. even when she and I met, like, I was pretty suave. Like I am
3: mm-hmm.
0: a pretty not nervous person. I was shaking like a leaf leading up to that. And then my voice betrayed me and I was like, This is my personal hell. But We're just going to power through and embarrass ourselves and then go sit down. And then, thank goodness, in Vermont, someone had recently gotten broke up with. So her and all of her friends showed up in pajamas Mm -hmm. and flip-flops and were just, like, screaming the I Hate Men playlists. And I was like, (laughs) I'm not the most memorable part of this anymore.
2: You're like, they will not remember me tonight. As they were Mm -hmm.
0: driving their keys into the side of his silly little souped-up four-wheel drive. drive. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Maybe next time. Um, we'll think- I don't we know who's playing squirrel girl. squirrel girl. I don't Do know, but
2: she off the same didn't vibes, get- I will not ex- <laughs> elaborate on that. <laughs> we got
1: a Squirrel Girl who was cast in like a New Warriors project for a little while, but that show fell through.
0: Um, um I don't you- know, either. but I did just remember that. Um. There is a Squirrel Girl podcast that is in canon and a sequel to this. I just remember that existed.
2: found it on Saturday. Yeah, I'm going to listen to that this week.
0: I know, I'm going to listen to that this week.
1: Okay, so the person who was cast is from This Is Us. Her name is Milana Vayntrub. And this was back in 2017, so it's been a while. The show was canceled before it even got to filming. Oh, she's cute.
2: Oh
1: yeah, she'd be a cute one. Yeah. So we got that far, but that's as far as we got. Rock and roll. All that's right. A- yeah. <laughs> the only thoughts I have in terms of casting, and there's no one Trunk cr- would not be besties with. Um, True. Esma actively was against him, and he's like, "She's my best friend of all time." Dude,
3: I mean, I, I can relate to that.
1: No, you can't. Um, this next cre- question comes from Dan. I was eagerly awaiting your next episode on the girl who speaks with squirrels and also shares some abilities and the best friends someone could ask for. Come on, who doesn't want Tippy as a BFF? Coincidentally, just today I convinced my f- a friend of mine to try this perfect comic, so thank you for introducing me to this story. It actually helped me through a lot of stuff. Awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. And so I had a few questions asked, but I now realize this message is already long, so I picked one. Who was your favorite cameo? I don't feel like this is the right word to describe it, but alas from the book. I'm not sure who would be mine, but Craven and his Cray Van are up there. Here's for more great episodes, more laughs, and more Brain Drain and Tippy. They deserve a spinoff. Come on, Mr. Marvel from your friendly Brazilian Dan.
2: Craven's van is my favorite thing. It makes so much cray-van. sense. <laughs>
3: it's crazy <creepy> um, van. <laughs> I-
1: I honestly, this is going to be, it feels like it's cheating a little bit because it started as a cameo, but I loved Brain Drain. The fact that he showed up as a villain and that was the first moment was like, wait, we kind of attacked him, didn't I? Wait, maybe we can fix this because he got hardwired by Hydra and all of a sudden he's a supporting cast member in this book and Mm -hmm. one of the best members of the Squirrel Scouts. It was, I loved Brain Drain. I'm not going to
3: lie.
2: Pretty great. The amount of love that I have just for Loki in general and then for him to love Nancy just made Mm -hmm. it so wonderful. So wonderful. I love that little punk. (laughs) He's great. I
0: loved so much of this book, but there are few things I love more than Ryan North writing Doctor Doom. (laughs) There has been no one since the late, great Stanley, that could write faux Shakespearean nonsense quite like one Ryan North. Every time Dr. Doom opens his mouth with Ryan North at the pen, you better be ready for the best thing you have ever heard.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, my God. For I am Doom. Also, this reminded me of a little bit that I wanted to do earlier in the episode, but I didn't do it. And so here it goes you telling me there's a Goyle what talks with squirrels? <laughs> that is all. Next question.
1: <laughs> oh, that, that is was good. That was perfect. The next question's yours, actually, because I believe you're next.
0: Hi, Collective. Excited <laughs> you're coming back to all of the unbeatable G- Squoyle Goyle so soon. A comic run I've been reading regularly on my commute. I hope you're not driving there. You fueled a lot of my suggested reading this year, so it's nice to see you guys catch up with me for once. I jest. (laughs) On to my questions. Did you get a gay vibe from Nancy and Doreen? I always felt like there was a romance so-so, but they always seemed like at any moment they could get together, especially when they got old together. Do you think there's any villain from the Marvel Universe who goyle? Shouldn't have fought again. Should have fought against, but didn't. I enjoyed North and Henderson's villains, the features of Doom, Craven, and Dino Ultron, but was wondering if you felt there was an antagonist who would be a natural addition to SG's own mythos. Until Lexi is given the power cosmic and destroys Dallas, and Anne becomes the lesbian <laughs> celestial. Make mine, comics collective. I guess all the best, Sabrina. <laughs>
3: How are you talking
1: that voice? I'm sorry, Sabrina, but... That whole time, I'm just, like, the moment he says Sabrina, I'm gonna lose my fucking mind.
0: Well, first off, thanks for destroying me, Sabrina.
2: (laughs) (laughs) After that voice, it's only fair. (laughs) So what do we think?
0: Do we think that Goyle What Talks With Squails is a lesbian? (laughs)
2: <laughs> I for sure wanted them to be when they got <laughs> just, old, but that's mm-hmm. the only time it made sense.
1: Yeah. There were like there was two moments. Yeah. I was like, are just you
2: kidding. are you
1: thinking about the same moment
0: I was where it's I, like they asked Nancy if she was like jealous or something, or I I just thought in like issue there were a couple times that it was like they're old ladies together that like they had big they were roommate vibes. Every time they were yeah. old, oh. I was like Yeah, there LG, was two TV times plus. that they
2: were old. When Nancy was, like, making her breakfast in, like, futuristic time. Mm -hmm.
0: Doreen changed the whole timeline to bring Nancy back to her. Like, I'm sorry, they're lesbians. Your Honor, they're lesbians. (laughs) (laughs) But also, I don't know if I want that or if I actually just love that they are platonic friends.
2: That's what I'm struggling with. Because I was like, I loved the old lady vibe of them being cute. But
1: platonic friends can live together and cook breakfast together and fuck each other. It's just that's <laughs>
3: <laughs> <Oops>. that's fine. <laughs> hey, 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 hey,
0: hey. They're lesbians. They don't do that. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Right. Sorry. Be my honest. Bad.
0: Um, heroes
1: don't do that. Um, yeah. And do you think there's any villain from the Marvel Universe who should have fought her? I think, listen, if you're going to bring back Doom to relive his humiliation, we should have got Thanos back at least once. <coughs>
2: yeah. Beat his I ass forgot. again.
1: When did she defeat Thanos? I forgot. It's a long it was a long time ago. I'm I'm Googling. Like before this the- run? Oh yeah, long before this yeah. run. Like back when she still had the um
0: raccoon eyes going on. Oh she had to raccoonies. Man, she rules. I think she should have beat up Deadpool just once.
2: <gasps> that would have been fun. That's all. Ooh.
1: Or maybe it wasn't that long ago. This art look looks like it came from the the two thousands. Yeah, no, there's just a picture of Thanos standing KO'd, and the Watchers like, "How the, how, what? How did you do that?" And she's like, "It's okay. Um, me and Tippy Toe got it. So, um, yeah, they just they just managed. They just handled it. They're built different, Your Honor. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Sabrina.
2: Yes, thank you,
1: Lexi. Final me? question. On the
2: last one. All right. <clears throat> Good evening, Squirrel Girls and Chipmunk Hunk. Here are my questions for the week: the discussion of dinosaurs in squirrel. You shouldn't have said that no. about Dallas. Now he's gonna. Now he's on. One. <laughs> he's gonna change his whole personality now. Okay. The discussion up, of dinosaurs in squirrel has led to some unbelievable gatekeeping. Help!
0: You trying um... to go get a bacon, egg, and cheese? Ed? <laughs> Have go for a nice long walk through the park,
1: Ed. Hold on, you're about to it. It's about to go downhill really
0: quickly. Wait, just a second, Ed. I've been informed I should hold off on this. Yeah, Lexi, <laughs> read it.
2: Okay, the discussion of dinosaurs in Squirrel Girl has led to some unbelievable gatekeeping. I am not allowed to question why my favorite dinosaurs, the moss chops, aren't in Squirrel Girl. I'm glad wasn't allowed there. to enjoy his favorite real dinosaur. The Indominus Rex. What should I do about this tragedy? Get Dallas the fuck over
0: it. <laughs> I'm gonna That's lose what you do. my marbles, Ed. First and foremost,
3: mm-hmm.
0: how dare you? Yep. Give it to him. Second, tell him. You ever met a sock full of nickels, Ed? Because you're about to. <laughs> 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 a sock full of nickels. That's what I call moss chops. Is what this fucking face looks like. Uh, your your skull's about to look as lumpy as moss chops. <laughs> if you know what I mean. I got this little bad boy. I call the happy slapper. And you're dumb for. I'm going to hit you till know. your eyes are crossed, Ed. Next question.
2: Next question. Uh, I recently started reading and totally didn't stop three chapters in because I got distracted. Gaslit Nation. And in... Whoa.
0: Infotainment. Come on. Keep up. <laughs> oh,
2: infotainment. <laughs> Hi, my brain went all fuzzy. Uh, infotainment graphic novel about fascism. Very similar to Brian North's book's... Uh, but doesn't have that charm he gives from Squirrel Girl and the rest of his books. What is it about Ryan North that makes his work so charming?
0: Uh, Erica Henderson. That's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise.
3: He's
2: just just a nerd with wit. (laughs) He he writes very nice. Very nice in his words. just Very nice.
0: The finest words. The best. I mean, it's like, how do you explain someone who is funny? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, ultimately, he is funny. And it's a talent. He has a talent for being funny. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: And every single footnote rules in all of his oh. books, not just this. Zingers. Oh, yeah. Both of his nonfiction books have copious footnotes that are fantastic every single time. I've never been more delighted to see asterisks in my entire
3: <laughs> life.
2: You're like, oh, it's going to be good.
0: I'm like, oh. And then I get down there and I'm like, oh. And then I go back to where I was because that's how footnotes work.
2: Funny. All right. Question Thank number three. You. Thank you. Like question number
0: three. Funny. Bunny. Period. Shut the fuck up. Bunny. Charming anecdote. <laughs> i got a piss. Got a real comedian here, you know. If
2: I unmuted for too long, My my tippy-tappy over here might get a little bit mouthy. Funny, I've three. got some
0: 747s to think about. Let's get, let's get through this real quick. <laughs> got to think about some planes. <laughs>
2: yeah. Number three, Squirrel Girl is an immensely different and upbeat book than usual Marvel books, which as a result read, led to an omnibus that has more issues than a decent amount of the New 52. What's another unique and upbeat big book that's different from the usual affair? Also, you can't say Gwenpole. That's rude, because that was my answer.
1: <laughs> yeah. You're gatekeeping Ed.
2: Hmm. Yeah, what was that about these dinosaurs I don't know exist? Hmm.
1: They're not din don't 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 disrespect they're not real. dinosaurs. Not the they're gag. Not, no, they're don't. not dinosaurs. Oh, I'm sorry. They're a mistake. I don't
2: know anything about they're, if you look
1: up the taxonomy, the taxonomy of the moss chops, it's just under a phylum that says a mistake. <laughs> wrong.
3: That's it. it just says wrong.
0: God's rough draft. <laughs>
3: Oh, funny. It's An got giant system.
0: gaps between its teeth. It looks like it's from Missouri. <laughs> if you've ever been like, what would a dinosaur from Missouri look like? Moschops, like southern toddler. Look up Moschops. Yeah, chops. no, that's it. Look at Moschops <laughs> right now and tell me that's not a dinosaur with a mullet. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Um, okay. All another dinosaur.
0: That dinosaur voted for Donald Trump. Anyway, <laughs> you want another unique big two
1: book? Make sure you check out Next Wave. Um, yeah, that's that's the first big one that comes to mind. There's oh, there's a DC one I was just thinking. Um, Jimmy Olsen.
0: Um, oh yes, great pull, yeah. great you. pull. Alexis is still trying to breathe because um, I'm so funny and <laughs> handsome.
2: Shut up! <laughs> I've had to deal with you for twenty three
3: years.
2: <sighs>
0: Those first three years hit so hard.
2: <laughs> For you, baby. I
3: when Alexis, that. when
0: Alexis was still in heaven, and I was just down here party rocking, that ruled.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's literally how old I am. I've been on Earth the entire time.
3: <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah. I think I
0: think your spirit came late. Like having met you. <laughs> Like, if anyone, if there was an operative term for it, it would be empty vessel.
3: She
2: still goes on vacation sometimes. Yeah, like. Gonna start talking to me, my eyes get glassy sometimes.
0: She, she goes <laughs> in and out, in and out. <laughs> She's been tippy toeing in and out, in and out.
3: Oh.
2: Yeah, she tippy out for a couple of years while I was in high school. Explains a lot.
0: So true, bestie. <laughs> oh
2: my god. Why am I being bullied uh, today? What is man,
0: it? I'm funny I'm as hell.
2: girl, girl. that makes have... you want
0: to bully me. Okay. I, <laughs> any more unique big two books? I, I started this episode by being like, this book makes you want to be a better person. And I ended this episode <laughs> being like, my sister is a weirdo. This
2: bitch likes airplanes. <laughs>
0: she likes airplanes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and she reminds me of the chunky chipmunk from <laughs>
0: Listen here, Theodore. Read the next question. <laughs> I feel so like that, I feel like that bald guy when he's mean to Theodore, <laughs> and you're like Not my
3: Theodore.
0: That's how I am right now. Like, go ahead.
3: Oh.
2: Read
0: the fourth oh. question.
3: Okay, fourth question.
2: If you could give hey, any hey like a hey. In the Theodore,
0: in the Theodore voice. I can't do the Theodore voice.
3: If oh you, no! Look at there! Look at there! The North has a treatment. Who would it be? Who would it? be?
0: <laughs> Bro, you know who I'm trying to see mess around with each other? Squirrel Girl and that one New York squirrel from Enchanted. Opera. I mean, he's a chipmunk, but he
2: is a chipmunk. <laughs> he's he's a a like chipmunk. And then
0: Tibby Toe was like,
3: That's good. I don't
0: know any of the Great Lake Avengers, Ed.
3: Well, as the podcast resident,
1: Simon. <laughs> the, the Great Lakes Avengers included a character known as Batman. <laughs> Just, that's that the big? only one I can remember.
0: Wait, no, they, no, no, they, no, 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 no. I want Big Bertha. I remember Big Bertha. I there want her. you go. I want her. She's enormous. <laughs> yeah. That's more character per big page. Bertha. No, Lexi, I'm gonna send you Big Bertha. You're gonna love her. She's, She's big. gonna love her immediately. That's a big old character. And Everyone knows more character equals more important character.
3: Okay. <laughs> Was that your thing about? <laughs>
1: about Theodore? Okay. That's nope, nope, I'm fine.
0: Most important <laughs> chipmunk. Oh. Is Alvin. That's right, me. Hello. It's Dallas here at the end of the episode Anne and Alexis are both looking at their phones Making great radio here
2: Oh she just sent me a picture of Bertha
0: I mean the listeners are loving this Anyway listeners I'm going to go ahead and walk you through this audio drama There I was Trying to (laughs) sing Piano Man Unable (laughs) Listeners this is why we try to wrap our episodes by an hour 30
3: (laughs) Chaos
1: Chaos Do we want to Do we have any final thoughts or do we want to sign off
0: we gotta get out of here. Yeah, we gotta
1: go. You know,
2: we well, gotta go, so we Lexi, have- quickly. <laughs> All right, everyone. If you like our show, want to hear more from us throughout the week, please go follow our X account. Stop. Stop. That pained me. Well, I'm gonna be honest. When Anne told me I dead named Twitter the other day, I had like <laughs> World War Three flashbacks. Okay, I'm like, no, don't say that on the internet. I was like, that's terrible. I don't want to do that. <sighs> but follow us on our accounts. Uh, at cmx collective or our tiktok account at the comics collective or you can find each of us on our personal accounts at dallas underscore comics at Ann comics and at lexi Lou comics
0: if you enjoyed the show and want to show your support please go to apple podcast wherever you're listening and give us a five-star review and we will read it off on the show
1: and finally, if you have any questions or comments for us, please send those to thecomicscollective at gmail.com. Thank you very kindly.
2: Yeah. And, and join us next week for Assassination. <laughs> <laughs> Is
0: it just us we doing that? Yeah, yeah. just us.
2: your episode. I mean, we have so many friends that I never know anymore.
1: The good thing about that, we can just copy-paste everything we said about Erica this week into next week. It's going to be perfect.
2: Gosh. I hate it, because I love her. The
0: people are going to love that. <laughs> They're going to be like, was that the same episode? Well, they didn't mention airplanes very often. No, nope, no. Nope.
2: That's what you say, Daryl.
0: Bye. <laughs>
1: Bye.
2: <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye!